Would you just close your eyes, raise your hands before the Lord? If the Lord is speaking to anyone here, giving you some, something for the group here, I want you just to speak it out. Just stay in this place. There's no hurry. There's no rush. Thank you. Can you just say the name Jesus? No, you say, Jesus, I love you. We love you, Lord. Receive our worship, Lord. Receive this as incense coming up to you. Here we are. We love you. We want to live for you. We want our lives to be a reflection of that. Let's pray for Pastor Penn and Heather. They're in Canada right now. Pastor Penn's teaching tonight at a church named Wellspring Quinte. Can you just pray for them? I want you to actually pray for them out loud. Pray for them the way you'd like to be prayed. Let's do that. Lord, we pray tonight that Pastor Penn would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that he'd speak boldly, that you'd lay a word on his heart that could change that church, that can strengthen that church, move that church forward. Lord, we speak grace, grace, grace. Fill him with grace and all the people that hear there. Lord, we pray the same, that you'd speak to our hearts in a way that we'd all leave this place encouraged by your Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Didn't this team do amazing for their, today was their second time, but they're playing together. I think it's wonderful. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Austin. And Aaliyah, I said this this morning, but isn't it wonderful when they go from playing with crayons during worship to leading us into worship? I think that's special. You may be seated. We got some announcements. Austin, are you ready? Why don't I give one announcement? Um, someone gave us these flyers to pass out. Uh, Mel Stolzfus family, they're uh, with Gospel Express Ministries. They're a family singing group that are going to be um, down at Crystal Valley. So if that kind of thing interests you and you want to go to something like that, pick up a flyer. They're on the welcome, they're at the welcome center desk.
So if you are a part of the worship team, sound tech, or media, um, this Wednesday evening at, excuse me, at 6.30, we're going to be meeting at um, Alan Leslie Trozzi's place on, what, what is the address? I, I need to get that for 3450 Esperanza Road, Esperanza Road? Yeah. Penyan? Esperanza View, yeah, it's online. So if you are a part of worship, sound, or media in the church, um, we'd like to invite you out there. 6.30, we're going to have some food. We'll have, have dinner for you guys. They've got a beautiful, beautiful spot there where they've so graciously um, opened it up to us to use for events like this. So yes, please come. There's a lot there's been a lot of changes that have happened and still more to come I feel in the next season with worship and sound and I just like to cast some vision and talk through, you know, where we're where we'd like to go in the future. And uh, so yeah, bring your questions and your appetites and come prepared for an amazing view. It really is a, it's a, it's incredible up there. They've done a great job. Uh, Nelson. All right. Thank you. Um, Egg is leading something called the Creative Collective every Monday night at the Discipleship House. And I don't know what all they do there because I don't exactly consider myself a very creative person. I've heard I am. So maybe I should go and see what I can do. But so far I haven't. I hear it's a wonderful time. So if you would like to go, there's two more Monday nights of that happening. That starts at 7 o'clock. Do you have macarons there? <laughs> no? Okay. Sorry, guys. Sorry to get your hopes up like that. <laughs> Austin's not coming after all. Their uh, care groups are going to start September 18th, so that is like a month from today. That'll be happening soon. There are some Holy Spirit meetings coming up. There's going to be here Saturdays. I believe that's like two... Yeah, I can see everybody's eyes, so you got that already. August 31st, and the next Saturday, September 7th, they'll start at 10 a.m., go, go to 3, 3 p.m. Most of this teaching is going to be about... It'll cover all the bases, but Penn wants to focus on equipping you to not be scared to give this experience away, to pray for people, to pray for them boldly, that they can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a way that changes their life. Giving away, you know, praying for the gifts of the Spirit, those kind of things. So it's going to be an equipping meeting. If you have questions, come. Come get in on those meetings. Baptism, that's next Sunday night. If you or someone you know wants to get baptized, we're going to, after the service, we're meeting with the Pinyan Assembly of God down at Indian Pines after the service. And we're going to have a, a joint prayer service during or after that. We're going to walk into the lake and baptize some people. So if you want to get baptized, come join us. Talk to me. And um, do you have a video? We're going to show a quick video that talks about baptism. It's like six minutes long. But it's kids' edition, and so I love it. I can just watch it again and again. So I thought you'd enjoy it as well. Okay, that was your sermon for tonight. You're all dismissed. I'm just kidding. You're not quite.
Um, I like kids' videos. They make it so easy to understand, right? That was, that was, that was a great video. So anybody want to get baptized now? Again? Okay. Ready? I think I have something to share. A little bit. Um, I, wa- I want to I talk a little bit about friendship with God. I want to talk about your own journey. Having your own journey with God. And I want to start out with two, two questions for you. Um, have, you ever been, have you ever been with somebody that you know and you're just with them and suddenly they meet an old friend? They meet an old friend and now they just begin chatting it up and they're just going back and forth. They're talking about things between the two of them. Just going for it. And you're standing there, kind of your hands in your pockets. You don't really fit in. You're just like, okay. You're not really a part of it. Anybody ever had that experience? Raise your hand if you did. Yeah, um, yeah. raise your hand if you did. I love when the audience participates. Okay. I've had that experience. Um, How many of you have ever have ever heard somebody tell a testimony or they're sharing a story maybe some kind of miracle that happened in their life some kind of breakthrough that they had some way that they were totally stuck and God answered their prayer or maybe you heard them pray for a specific need and you heard their heart and you thought to yourself I wish I had a relationship with God like that person does Anybody ever had that happen? You have? I know I have. Okay? What's the reason for that? Both of those things. In, in, in the one with a friend, they've got a connection with that friend that you still don't have, right? The reason that they're communicating with that person the way they are, and you're kind of not fitting in, is because they've got a history together. Like, they might have gone through good times and bad times. They might have fought. They might have made up again. They might have forgiven each other. They've seen a lot of different things, and so they have a lot of places of connection. So there's lots of places where they can connect on, right? You don't have that same thing yet with that person. The same with God. Instead of doing what I have done, when I, you know, I see that and I'm like, you know what? They've got a relationship with God. They view God in a way that I know I don't have that. I want that. Instead of, I've, I've fallen into this trap. I've fallen into this trap. You know, I've prayed for that same thing. God's not answered my prayer. I, I, I don't know that I, maybe, maybe God just... Maybe I'm a little bit invisible to him. Maybe he doesn't care about me that much. Obviously, he cares about that person. Obviously, he likes that person. No, none of you ever do that, right? Those thoughts ever go through anybody's mind. 
When you're not seeing a breakthrough in your life, when something's not happening, and somebody stands up and says, here's what happened in my life. Good. It looks like it's never happened to you. <laughs> here's, what, here's, here's my challenge to you, okay? When that kind of thought comes to your mind, I wish I had a relationship with God like that person has. Because there's a cost to that, right? That person doesn't just magically walk into that kind of relationship. Those kind of things happen. There's a cost. They've been through a process. They have got a story, a journey with God. When those kind of things happen, when, when, when you're feeling those kind of thoughts, think of it as an invitation. As an invitation from Jesus that he's saying, I'm inviting you. You're feeling a drawing. You want this kind of connection that you're seeing right now in somebody else? I'm inviting you to it. I'm not a respecter of person. It's not that I like them and I don't like you. That's not what it is. There's a cost to it. But I'm welcoming you. I'm inviting you to another, to another level of relationship. I'm inviting you to a friendship. I invite you to a friendship with Jesus. What if, what, if, what if that desire is that? I think it is. What if we see it that way? I want to read John, John 15, 13 to 15. We're going to read that together, okay? This is coming from a guy who calls himself Jesus' best friend. That's saying a lot, right? He says the disciple who Jesus loved. That's what he calls himself. That's translation. That's I'm Jesus' best friend. That's how he saw himself. But here we go. John 15, 13 to 15. It says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for his friend. And Jesus is just ready to go to the cross. He's going to go to the cross. This is one of the last times he's with the disciples. And he's... And he's sharing different things with them. The disciples don't know it yet, but Jesus is talking about himself. Greater love has no one than this than someone lays down his life for his friends. He's calling them his friends. You and I are in this verse. It's not just to the disciples. But he's saying, I'm going to lay down my life for you. There's no greater extent, there's no greater love that could ever be demonstrated than what I'm about to do for you. So he's calling them friends. Now he turns it around. He says in the next verse, You're my friends if you do whatever I command you. So there's, there's a cost to friendship with God. He's saying you can't just live any way you want to and expect to be God's friend. Friendship requires trust, right? You can't be very close friends, very good friends with someone if there's no trust in your hearts. That it just doesn't work. That friendship will just fall because there's no trust there. So friendship requires trust. Friendship requires obedience in a relationship with Jesus. He's saying there's actually a requirement on it. It's going to cost you something. I believe 
that friendship with God is open for anyone if you want it. You can study this out on your own, but I believe that all Christians are children of God. But I don't believe that all Christians are friends of God. If you go to the next verse, he says, No longer do I call you servants or slaves, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Friendship requires communication. That's what Jesus is saying here. And he almost implies that up until this time, there's been more of a master-slave relationship where there was things that he wasn't making available to them. There was things that he wasn't talking about to them. And he says, I'm not hiding anything from you anymore. Friends don't hide things from each other. He's saying, everything that the fathers told me, I'm telling you. It's an open relationship. There's a give and take. Think about, think about the difference in a relationship with a, um, between an employer, employee. What's that kind of relationship? If you think of a big company, 500 employees. We don't have, we don't have slaves here in this country anymore, right? We, we just, that, that's not, so that's kind of hard for you to get your mind around. But think of it as, as employer, employee, 500 employees. What's the relationship between that boss and his employees? You don't just, like, they're not hanging out a lot just because they want to be with each other. It's much more task-oriented, right? It's, here's a list. Do these things. And if something goes wrong, the employee runs into the manager and says, machine broke. It's on you. Fix it, right? Everything's pushed back onto him. I don't know. Fix it. Or what are my orders? Give me my list. Do these. What do I do? Now, what's, what's the relationship between friends? You don't treat each other quite the same, right? Friends go for walks together just because they enjoy each other's company. They don't only call their friend or talk to their friend when there's a problem. My life's a mess. This huge problem came up. God, fix, fix my problem. Fix my problem. Obviously, you know everything, so you're the instigator of it, and you... you, you a lot of people say, you caused it. You knew about it. You allowed it. So fix my problem. That's very much slave-master relationship. And I think there's a lot of Christians that are either they don't know there's more. That's just the way they live. That's their communication to God. And Jesus is saying, there's something else that's available to you. There's so much more that's available Friendship demands that you already have the servant heart down, okay? Like, you can't be really good friends. If someone's a really good friend of mine, if they call me and they're in trouble, I'll give anything to help them, right? I'll, I'll run and serve them 
In the same way, you'd do the same thing for your best friends. There's nothing you don't drop and just run to help them. So I'm saying you can't just skip over this thing of learning to have a servant heart towards God. You can't just become his friend like that without going through a process of learning how to serve the master. But there's, there's more to it than just saying, God, tell me what to do and I'll do it, which that's good. I'm not downing. That's, I'm not being negative. That's actually good that you have a heart that wants to do whatever he says. But if you think back to the original design of relationship, how God created human beings, how did he create them? He created Adam and Eve because he is love. He is love. And so he longs for something to pour out his affection upon it. He created Adam and Eve. And it says they walked and they talked in the garden. There was a friendship. There was a communication. You have many different types of relationships with God. He's your Savior, right? He's your Redeemer. He's your Lord. He's your Master. He's your King. And He's your Father. And I believe he wants to be called friend. I think he wants that kind of intimacy, that kind of closeness with our hearts. When Adam and Eve sinned, it totally changed the game. It totally changed. And what used to be love and relationship turned into a lot more of a fear and judgment kind of relationship. The people in the Old Testament, that's kind of what their relationship with was God. You don't read of many people in the Old Testament who were called friends of God. There's one guy that you know of, Abraham. James says he was called Abraham, friend of God, right? What an incredible honor that would be. That's, that's just what you're known. Josh, the friend of God. Sheila, friend of God. Amazing, right? But there's a cost. <clears throat> There's another guy, Moses. Moses, it says that Moses talked with God face to face as with a friend. That's incredible. Both Abraham and Moses, the two things that they did, they had such a relationship, such a connection that when God said, here's what I'm going to do, Abraham, he said, would you change your mind? Okay, okay, God, you know, you know the story about the city. And he says, um, let, me just, let me just speak to you. And, and would you spare the city? Would you, would you spare the city for this amount of people? And, and God's, God more or less says, yeah, I, I changed my mind. I, I'll do it for you. And, and eventually the city was destroyed. But Abraham still stood in that place of, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually talk to God in that way. Moses did the same thing. God said, get out of the way. I'm going to destroy the people. I'm going to kill them all. And Moses said, but, but, but remember your covenant. He was one man standing in front of a million people. God, God, remember the covenant. Remember. And God says, Moses, you're right. Moses is a man just like you and I. Moses, you're right. I'll change my mind for you. 
And he says, but, but I'm not going to go with you. I'll, I'll just send an angel with you. And Moses said, but, but your presence is what makes us different from anybody else. Yeah, you're right. I'll change my mind. The conversation wasn't exactly like that, but pretty much it was like that. David found such a place in God's heart of friendship that God said, you know what, I like this guy so much that when my son Jesus goes to the earth, I'm going to name him after him. How would that be? It's almost like God is looking for humans that he can really connect with. I mean, it kind of seems like that, doesn't it? He's not just putting up with you. Actually, he's like, will this person draw near to me? Will they? It doesn't take a whole lot of looking to find out that the people that fall in love with Jesus, the people who discover friendship, are the ones that do things, accomplish things, right? In the kingdom, they're the ones that make it happen. Mike Bickle, I heard a quote from him, he said, there's two kinds of people in the kingdom of God. He said, there's lovers and there's doers. And lovers always get more done than doers. I thought that was kind of profound. You want to do, 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 do. Well, actually, you fall in love with Jesus. Become his friend. And there's a whole new level of things begin to happen inside of you. James 4.8 says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. I'm going to transition just a little bit and talk about, it's connected, but it's kind of the same thing. I started to see this. There was a time in my life where I decided to do this. I decided to, to draw near to God. Now, I actually took uh, a period of time, and sometimes that's, that's hard to do. If, if your life feels kind of like it's sitting dormant, you, you say, it's got to happen. I'm going to make a period of time. I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to spend time with him. Because the people that I'm talking about, the people with the testimonies, you know how I started out, people that have testimony stories it doesn't just happen there's a cost attached to that the reason the place they got the way they got there is they went somewhere in their personal life with God like they created a journey they created a story with God so I I decided I want to do that I want to do that the next part I want to talk about is is creating your your own story, creating your own journey, your, your own history. Because you need that part of your life. You need that. And I can take you, so, so I, I did take an extended period of time to draw near to God, and I can take you to the exact spot, the very spot where suddenly I had a revelation of God that totally changed how I saw him. It completely, like five minutes before, I saw him in a different way. And now I see him in, in this way. I didn't, I didn't no longer just look at him as a God who loved me. I looked at him as a God who likes me. He wants to be with me. He's pursuing my heart. That moment changed the way I pray. 
it changed the way I see God. Like from then on out, something happened. It was almost like there was a photo taken of my heart. And that moment has stayed with me ever since. And, and you, could, you could stack up a thousand people to tell me that God's not real. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't change. It wouldn't change what I think. Because it's, it's my own journey. Like, it's my experience. You can't take it away. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't believe it because somebody else said it now. It's my own thing. I could take you to the very spot where somebody first, what we say, read my mail, where they prophesied over me. I walk up, and I have a list of questions that are written out. And I had heard about prophecy. I, I had heard people tell stories. But I had never experienced it in this way. And I walk up, and somebody, somebody lays their hand on me, and they begin saying the questions that I had on my heart. And they begin giving me answers to it. And it's like a photograph was taken of my heart. And that moment has stayed with me. And it will stay with me. Because you could line up a thousand people to tell me that God's not real. That He doesn't speak to people anymore. That was something from the past. And it doesn't make a difference to me. Because it's not what somebody else said. It's not somebody else's testimony now. I've experienced this, what I read in the Bible. And I know it's for today. I know God wants to speak to people. I know what it did for me. I think He wants to do that for other people. I could take you to the exact spot where there was a man who was totally bent over at the waist. He couldn't stand up. And he was not a nice person. And he didn't believe in God. And he said, no, don't pray for me. And he relented. And he said, okay. And after we prayed for him, something popped. And he stood up. And he began, like all kinds of profanity came out of his mouth. Because he had no idea what to do with it. In that moment, it was like a photo was taken of my heart. And I'll remember that moment forever. Because you could line up a thousand people and say, God doesn't heal anymore. He doesn't want to heal. And it doesn't make a difference to me. I know he doesn't just like nice people who are put together. The man was shirtless, tattooed, long-haired, ex-con. Not a nice, scary person. And somehow God came into there and touched him. He touched him. Now I know that can't be taken away from me. I don't believe in healing because of somebody else's testimony, somebody else's story. I know it. I've seen it. It's changed the way I pray for people. Because I believe God wants to touch people. I think every single one of us has to have these experiences because it, it'll change something inside of you. I could take you to the very spot where my daughter was screaming in pain. And I didn't know what to do. My wife and I laid hands on her and we commanded her to be healed in Jesus' name and instantly she stopped screaming and the pain left. And it's a moment I will carry with me to my grave because I saw God 
change the situation in a moment. And I don't believe it because of somebody else said it. My faith isn't standing on somebody else's faith. That's a scary place to be, guys. When you believe things because of somebody else. If somebody falls away from the faith and it causes you to fall, it was never your own faith. It was somebody else's. And you leaned on them like a crutch. You might, you might say it's like, uh, you, you sound like, you know, it's all about experience. Why don't you just believe it because it's in the Bible, right? How many of you believe the Bible's true? I believe it's true. I believe the Bible trumps any experience I'll ever have. Any experience you'll ever have. The Bible's changeless. The Bible is true. But if you've been watching the news in the past couple of weeks, you see what's happened, even in Christian leaders, whose faith seems to be mostly logical. And it's not grounded right here. So when culture, when I can't explain science with what the Bible's saying, and I'm trying to figure out everything logically, When I can't make those things mesh up here, I give it up. I abandon my faith. I say, this book must be for another day. It's become irrelevant. And I lose my faith. And I think that happens all the time. The, the way you, you hear about it is it's leaders. And it gets put in the news, right? Are you grounded Am I grounded? Or is my faith up here? Is it logical? If I can figure it out, then I'll believe it. Then I'll continue with it. Did you know there's nothing new under the sun? If something's happening now, it's happened before. That's, that's actually true. <laughs> I try not to say things that aren't true. <laughs> Solomon said that. There's nothing new under the sun. So when you see people that, that, that abandon their faith, Hebrews 6 talks about it. When you see people that abandon their faith, walk away from the Lord, it's not like, oh, this is the first time it's happening. No, 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 no. You know how, you, you want to hear another story about that? First John. If you read First John, That'll tell you a little bit. Let me just take you back. The same guy, the same guy that wrote this thing about being friends with God, he wrote a book named First John. Most of you know where it's at. It's got a couple other sequels to it. It's one of the last later books that's written. And if you get First John 1, 1 through 4 up on the board, we'll read that together. This guy... He's a disciple who was with Jesus. And what's happening in the church at this time was they had a heresy that's being preached in the churches. Like, these churches are not very old, right? They're less than a century old. 
but there's teachers that have come in and they, they're, they're, they're preaching this thing called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, they, they believe that spiritual understanding, spiritual enlightenment, intellectualism was, was like basically the way to God. And the more intellectual you could become, the more, the closer to God you were. So that's the kind of thing they preached. They said that anything that's physical, anything that has matter, was evil. And anything that's spiritual, anything that's spiritual, not, doesn't have matter, is good. And so they said because of this, this is, this is well documented, this is what they taught in this Gnosticism heresy. And it's going throughout all the churches, like this is what they're teaching. So because of that, they had all these deep thinkers deep thinkers. They said Jesus couldn't have actually come in the flesh. So what you've heard in this past hundred years is that Jesus came in the flesh. They said it didn't actually happen. God came and disguised himself as a man and he couldn't have died because that would have been like decay. He would have been, if he came in the flesh, he would have become evil. That's what they're saying. So they said there could have not been a resurrection either. That's what people are believing. And John, if you could hear John write, and he knows what's happening in these churches that he's been in. And you can think what's going through his heart when he hears people say, yeah, well, Jesus wasn't actually real. Like, we know that now. We have a deeper understanding. We've become spiritually enlightened. Jesus wasn't real. And if you, if, you, if you listen to what John says, we read it differently than I think what was going through his heart. Let's read that. First John 1, 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Let me tell you how I think. What was going through John's mind as he writes this kind of thing? Saying, you guys, I, I know the teaching that's out there. Jesus wasn't real. I want, you, I want to make something plain to you. Jesus is real. He came as a man. I saw him with my eyes. I heard him preach. I was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I could hear the pain in his voice. I shared a sandwich with him. I watched him eat. The night before he died, I, I relaxed. I relaxed on his chest. I touched him. I felt him. He's real. And you guys are saying he's not. Then he goes on to say things like, 
Test the spirits that are out there. Evil spirits have gone out into the world. There's people that are saying, God has not come in the flesh. He says, test the spirits. If anybody says, God has not come in the flesh, they're the Antichrist. Like, he's pretty harsh, right? He's saying, these people were once among us, but now they've gone out into the world. There's nothing new under the sun. It happened for them. Here's, here's John saying, listen, <laughs> you can say whatever high-minded intellectualism you want to. You can use whatever to explain anything logically, but I know. I've experienced it. I don't care what you say. I know Jesus is real. I think we've got to be grounded. We've got to be grounded. Are you grounded? Are you anchored? Do you have something that will hold you? This is a pretty good anchor. It stood for a couple thousand years. If you're not anchored right there. My family went camping down central Pennsylvania. We camp along the Susquehanna River. And the river's wide and it's shallow and some of you know about it. Because it's wide and shallow, it's often, it's often pretty swift. So we're down there just this past weekend, we're camping, and we wanted to go fishing. So all us guys, we threw our fishing gear in the kayaks and canoes, and we headed upstream. And the way you fish is you look for a clump of grass, you look for some rocks, and you toss your line in there, and you hope a bass will hit it, and you bring it in. So I have my line, my brothers, they, they have their lines, and we're heading upstream, and it, the current's swift. We're going against it, right? We're pulling. And we want to cast in our lines. I don't have a hand to fish with. Like, you cast your line and you're already downstream. There's a current that's pushing you. Our culture is a current. It didn't take long for the guys to run to Walmart and buy an anchor. You throw it over the side of the boat and it goes down, hooks a rock. It doesn't matter how fast the current's going. You sit there and you can accomplish your mission. You can fish and you stay right there. If you're not anchored, you'll go downstream. You will. You will. It's just what will happen. Pursue a friendship with God. It's possible for you. God is looking for someone. I don't want to take the respect out of the relationship. I really don't. It, being friends with God doesn't mean you're equals. But he's looking for that kind of connection. He, he actually wants that kind of connection with humans. Pursue a friendship. You have to create your own journey, your own story. If you fall away because someone else has fallen away, it's not your faith, it's someone else's. You don't want to have to depend 
on other people's faith, other people's stories to believe. This thing has got to become personal to you. It's how you'll last. It's how I'll last. It takes time. You have to start somewhere. If you have a longing for a connection like you see on somebody else's life, that's an invitation from Jesus. I'm extending the same to you. Come up higher. And make sure you're anchored. On Jesus Christ's solid rock, you may stand. Put your hand over your heart. And I don't know what the prayer on your heart is. Just tell Jesus. Just tell him I'm up for it. I'm up for it. I know you're looking. I know you're looking for someone you can trust. Someone who will serve you wholeheartedly but also is a friend. Lord, I pray that we'd pursue this friendship. We'd become your friends. That our hearts will begin to look like yours for the people around us for the people we come in contact to. Lord, I pray that all of us would see the importance of being anchored, finding an anchor. Lord, I don't want anyone here to become a casualty to the influence, the pool of culture. Lord, I want you, I want your word to speak louder than any other voice. And I'll say yes to it. No matter how stupid and foolish it makes me look, my yes to you is always bigger. Can you agree to that? Can you say amen to that? Cause us to walk with you and be your friends all the days of our life. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.